Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? I hope you're having a great Tuesday. Welcome to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. How you doing today, my love? I'm well. How are you? I can't complain. Um, before we get into today's topic, let's talk about a little bit of news. Mm-hmm. News of the day. Wild rage, wildfires rage in California and Oregon amid scorching heat waves. Um, firefighters are working in extreme heat across the western United States to contain surging wildfires, the largest of which are burning in California and Oregon. As another heat wave drains power grids across the region, the largest wildfire of the year in California, dubbed the Beckworth Complex. So, uh, California just keeps having these crazy wildfires. You remember this time last year we had the same article or similar topic yeah. about wildfires in California? That's crazy. Every year and they it get it seems to be getting worse. It gets hotter. Yeah. And yeah. More fires continue to happen. It's just like another season to them. We just have fires over there. Could there be a point where there's so many fires that there's no longer? parts of california maybe maybe that are habitable or i know you have to have some really good insurance to live in california <laughs> i'm sure they'll charge it like you high prices yeah high premiums maintaining high premiums. those premiums yeah yeah that's crazy i just uh pray and hope people that uh have been damaged by the fires are will do okay or mm-hmm. doing okay because mm-hmm. that's that's some serious business that's like one of my biggest fears besides uh well it's second to heights because i really don't like heights but being involved in a fire that is scary that. that is scary to me i don't i don't even like hot water on my hands picture like hot flames just messing you up yeah but yeah before we get into today's topic let's uh take a moment for our sponsors black velvet is proud to sponsor creative habits podcast Black Velvet is a Black-owned family business providing skincare products. Handmade, intentional, and designed to nurture the skin and body. Lather in luxury with our signature Black Velvet Shea Butter. Our base is raw shea infused with essential oils and vitamins to revive and enhance your natural skin's glow. We offer unisex options and a grooming kit to ensure quick and essential groom for daily application for any occasion or season. Try our Beard Gang Kit collection, perfect for a man on the go with notes of barbershop orange and essential oils to protect and nurture your beard growth. Visit us on Etsy at Shop Black Velvet or follow us on Instagram by Black Velvet. And we are back. So today's topic... um 
It's really interesting to me. I want to talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, ghettos. Um, <clears throat> what does ghetto mean to you? Like, not the actual definition, but what do you feel when somebody says ghetto? Oh, what do I think of? Yeah. I think of a location that's low income mm-hmm. um, pertaining to houses. What do you... What do you think of when a certain demographic calls another demographic ghetto? Ignorant. Oh, that's ghetto. Ignorant? Ignorant. And I think it's derogatory. I think they know <laughs> the use, well, know that that word is not a positive word mm. to say. And I think it's just a buffer or something that's more polite than saying the N word. Yeah. <laughs> or saying something like um, that person is lower class or lower value of another person. Yeah, I can see that. Um, it is a part of a city, especially a slum area, occupied by minority groups or other groups. Um, basically, they are put in a restricted or isolated area or segregated area. Um so basically one demographic is put into um, a segregated area controlled by who knows who. Mm-hmm. Um, a ghetto is often a part of a city which members of a minority group live, especially as a result of social, legal, or economical pressure. Ghettos are often known for being more impoverished than other areas of the city ghettos are often known being um ghettos are versions there there's there's different versions of ghettos all over the world um we have ghettos in america ghettos in europe ghettos and anywhere any country any mm-hmm. continent a slum. there's a slum quote unquote and why do you think that is? Um, I sort of believe history is cyclical. Hmm. And whatever country is, quote unquote, a superpower, um, inspires superpower? superpower. What did I say? Superpower. <laughs> I don't know what that word is. Me either. It's probably exhaustion. Um, but it uh, influences other countries. To sort of have similar labels or treatments of people based on what they exemplify. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know where the first ghetto, um, where the first deemed ghetto. Please share. Was started. Um, the term ghetto was originally used for Venetian ghetto mm. in Venice, Italy. As early as 1516 to describe the part of the city where Jews were restricted to live and thus segregated from other people. Hmm. However, early early societies may have formed their own versions of the same structure. Words resembling ghetto and meaning appear in Hebrew, Yiddish, Italian, hmm. Germanic. Um, old French and Latin during the Holocaust more than 1,000 Nazi ghettos uh, were established to hold Jewish populations 
hmm. with the goal of exploiting um, and killing the Jews as a part of the final solution. Oh, my goodness. So this makes sense. Uh, the name ghetto likely derived from the Venetian verb guitare, yep. meaning to pour or to cast and probably can be traced to the earlier presence of a copper foundry in what was to become the all Jewish district. Mm. So, you know, the word cast, I'm just saying like, remember when we were having discussion about how words are spells, Yep. but um, yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it just like makes a, sense. In India, they have a caste system mm-hmm. where um, I'm just speaking loosely. Um, I don't know the exact definition, but um, where they have like really rich people, which is like in the high caste system. And they're usually like wealthy families that's been wealthy for like a really long time. And then they have servants, mm-hmm. which is the low caste system. And they work for these rich people. And then you have like really poor people who can't really work or do anything and they're like in the poorest caste system what i found surprising and i only found this out um from american indians but um my dad used to work with an indian couple and they were engaged one was lighter than the other and they had challenges because the lighter skin, the male's family is lighter skin and worried that their children would be black or mm-hmm. dark skin. Um, and it w- would have been an issue to marry someone of lower caste because of... They're usually dark skin. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that became an issue and almost had them not elope because the families, the lighter skin family had an issue with the other side. That's pretty racist. Mm. That's pretty racist. The development of ghettos in the United States is closely associated with different ways of immigration mm-hmm. and internal urban migration. The Irish and the German immigrants of the mid 19th century were the first ethnic groups from ethnic group form, hmm. ethnic groups, uh, ethnic enclaves, excuse me, in the United States cities. This was followed by a large number of immigrants from Southern and Eastern Europe, including many Italians, um, Polish people between the 1880s and the 1920s. Most of these remained in their established immigrant communities, but by the second or third generation, many families were able to relocate to better housing in the suburbs after World War Two. So basically when people adopted the quote unquote white identity, they were able to move up in the caste system. Even though I'm Italian or even though I'm Polish, even though I'm German, I'm still quote unquote white. So I'm more I'm more um, equal to somebody from England, so we're all white, and everybody else is is not us, basically. So after World War, was that when the association of the ghetto would be 
of black people, like mainly categorizing black people. Pretty much. Pretty um, much. Because nowadays, I think that people, a lot of people seem to think that the ghetto is in reference of African-American slums or African-American livelihood in the hood or the ghettos. Yeah. I mean, obviously in the in parts that are not as um, suburbs, not affluent. In, yeah. Because <laughs> you notice like in more affluent areas, their streets are a lot cleaner. They... Um, like you were watching, they have proper drainage systems or proper mm-hmm. disposal of garbage and trash. But you walk down a few blocks. Think of Manhattan. Manhattan is really rich on one side. You got the upper side and you got the lower side, east side. Um, if you walk from the upper side to the the lower side it's like a totally different thing you remember when we were in Harlem it was kind of like uh, I love it here but it doesn't look very upkept you know what I mean mm-hmm. definitely yep but you know that's a lot of that stems from redlining hmm. um, redlining is when um certain banks and real estate companies um denied a lot of black and brown people but also the idea that of white flight so once black people would move into a space white people would leave that space but let me finish Uh they would deny them housing loans Mm -hmm. and monies to go to these suburbs Mm -hmm. which kept them in these um designated areas that they plotted out on 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 the map mm-hmm. but go ahead yeah um no it's pretty much getting to the point that you were about to say where um these areas you would have a white flight but then there would be difficulties in gaining specific locations or spaces that you felt would be perfect for your family because you were stuck in a specific area um, that they only categorized for certain people to be approved. Mm -hmm. So they limited your resources or ability to get to where you wanted to be, even if you had the money to go there. Um, Kind of like we saw in the show Them, where they Mm -hmm. had challenges with their housing accommodations, um, you know, because you sign something and once you leave that house, a white person can can't in you know inhabit that house. It mm. always had to be a black person or somebody else yeah. of a different race. Um, what I also think about, um, I don't know how you feel about it, but it's always bothered me when people call these cities urban cities because it's like a modern way of saying ghetto. I think yeah, in my eyes, um, or like underserved youth <clears throat> or underserved areas like what the hell does that mean you know and or why even can't minority we have... minority pisses me <laughs> off like minority that means i'm lesser than lesser than you exactly so those little subtle words <coughs> that are very popular and Excuse common me. in language um when it has to do with education or health opportunities and benefits um that kind of denounce or dismiss people yeah or see them on the same level as other people in different when areas. It, but it's funny because certain people who um, use these terms don't even view it as a negative term because we're all brainwashed. Oh, no, I understand that. But mm-hmm. it's always bothered me. Like, it's mm-hmm. almost, why, why, why is it called urban? And why is it, how come 
anytime there's a discussion about urban cities, they're referring to a, a demographic of people that are majority, majority black or non-white. They want to say nigga. <laughs> they want to say nigga, but they can't say nigga, so they use these they terms. Use the fancy term. Um, these ethnic ghetto areas included, like we said, Lower East Side uh, in Manhattan, New York. New York which later became notable as predominantly Jewish and East Harlem, which was once predominantly um, Italian and became home to a large Puerto Rican community in the 1950s. Um, little, Ili- excuse me, little Italy's across from the country, uh, across the uh, country were predominantly Italian ghettos Many Polish immigrants moved to uh, these sections mm-hmm. and um, of Chicago and, and, and Polish Hill and Pittsburgh and, you know, other places. And <clears throat> um, so I had a conversation with my grandfather a really long time ago before he um, lived in. I think Virginia mm-hmm. um, he stayed in DC for a little bit and he said it was mostly black you know aka chocolate city and which is crazy because he said rent was like 150 bucks <laughs> back then a month but um, then he moved to Virginia and um, once he traveled back and forth to DC he noticed that a lot of the DC was white at first, like it was no before it was black, it was really white, and then white people started moving to the suburbs, and then black people started moving into DC, and then it got really chocolate. Do you know what I heard during the times like um, the forties, the fifties, and the sixties? There was a large migration from the south to the east, yeah, and. A lot of those black people that were moving into these areas, such as um, the major cities, such as L.A., um, New York, Washington, D.C., a lot of those people, I mean, that's when you had the white flight. A lot of the white people were like, oh, no, nah. like, you know, mm-hmm. we have to get up out of here. And I think that's one of the things that probably happened in the D.C. area um, yeah. where there were certain neighborhoods that were, you know, majority um mainly white predominantly white and once there was an influx of african americans from the south coming up to the north for opportunities or these promises they were promising Mm -hmm. freed black people that these opportunities or these states were you know polite or what is it respectful of african american people but it was that wasn't true it was just written on paper yeah um do you know that Georgetown, you know, Georgetown mm-hmm. is like one of the, I think is the richest neighborhood in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. was um, originally um, an African-American company. I absolutely do. I think we should do a, a podcast about um, D.C. history. Yeah, because Georgetown, be it's like right on the water, you know. Um, people used to fish out mm-hmm. there and people used to like have, you know, restaurants with ba- mainly seafood, but a lot of those old houses that they still live in was owned by freed African Americans. Mm-hmm. Yes, I did know that. Now those houses are going for like a million, two million, three More, million dollars. You know? 
probably be more than that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just interesting. You know, um, they're pushing a lot of uh, black and brown people out of the city in which we live in Mm -hmm. or pushing us to, like, different corners of the city. And, you know, Caucasians are moving back in. They're they're taking back their their city. (laughs) Their D.C. city. Their D.C. city. Um, What I find very interesting, though, um, this is just my experience coming from Zimbabwe and moving to D.C., Um, that's what I was like shocked by with DC. It was so like different and overwhelming to see such a large number of like black people outside of Africa in a city. Like yeah. chocolate, like early two thousands, it was still very much chocolate city. And that was like really shocking 80s. for me. Yeah. Where it's like you would go maybe a day, a week without seeing another person that's your race but then there's another thing about redlining or the fact that depending on your neighborhood you would see a specific group or people yeah um but yeah i i mean there were still a lot of white people in dc during chocolate city days right yeah there were a lot you know because the government is here there's quite a few there's quite a few people um, that have been here that were born and raised in D.C. still. But I can understand that it was still very much predominantly black. I just wanted to give um, an exact definition mm-hmm. of redlining. Sure. Somebody did not know. Um, but redlining is refuse of a loan or insurance to someone because they live in an area deemed to be uh, poor financial risk. Yeah. Poor financial risk. Boom. Poor financial risk. What does that mean? So depending on your zip code, you can get a X amount of loan, which is a little, a little bit, or you can get a lot amount of loan, which is a lot, or you can't get a loan at all. Poor financial risk. And who deems what a poor financial risk is? I guess if you haven't used a credit, like you're new to obtaining credit. But how can you use credit if you don't have money? I mean, if you Mm -hmm. don't. I know what you're saying, but I'm trying to figure out what that means. You know, it's just really weird. You know what I mean? It's really weird. But things are changing. Like black people are getting money now. They're moving into these suburbs and. And these million dollar mansions and five hundred thousand dollar houses and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. There's still a lot of racism and people laying claim to a land that's not really theirs, but you know, it's the society we live in, that's the type of people that we have in this area. Yeah, I feel you. So what else? Like, what other stories or, like, information do you have regarding redlining or the projects? I know um, there are some, a few good things about redlining, right? Let's look at the Harlem Renaissance, you know, where a lot of affluent, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? 
what are they called influencers you know before social media a lot of influencers went to to create poets musicians actors athletes they would go to the Harlem Renaissance and congregate and create and and, and develop like a whole culture out of one area which was in Harlem New York absolutely you know um black wall street you know we were delegated to one area before the massacre and they had over 600 businesses hospitals um um health clinics and schools and libraries and and and, and work yeah you know what I mean? Like designated an area for us, but we still made magic out exactly. of that Exactly. Even though they put us in these areas, we st- just like food. Like they gave us the scraps. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we made soul food. It's like no matter what they do or how they try to separate us, we still make the best of the, any the situation. Yeah. Any circumstance. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. It's it's a lot of like really negative things and really positive things. A lot of the negative things I might see. We talked about food deserts. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And um, depression and anxiety. Yeah, and a lot of these projects, man, they they look like prisons, like the the. <laughs> The buildings, bars on the doors, and like the architecture, they look like prisons, hmm. plain colored high rises. You know what I mean? It's 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 depressing to look at, and it's depressing to go outside. Hmm. Have you ever been to uh, any ghettos outside of America? I guess so. Like, I I mean, my granddad is from a city called Mbade, and that was considered quote-unquote ghetto. Mm. Um, I think historically it used to be a very vibrant city and a very lively city um, in Zimbabwe. But, again, it was almost like that circumstance of a redlining situation mm-hmm. where this the body was in the city but if you had to be in the city you couldn't be like in the nicer parts they would put you in a specific area where it was just designated for the workers that work for white people in the city the help um so yeah i guess that will be considered one and i i visited there quite a few times as a kid um but yeah so is it a form of segregation Redlining? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's a sign of separation. It's, it's a sign of separation, but also I think if you have a significant amount of people on one side um, and they all look the same, and then on the other side is the others, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. it could be. It could be a symbolism of just separating the races post-segregation. Like another way to divide. Um, I work for this company that um, basically traveled to different schools and, um, you know, take pictures, yearbook pictures, uh, candidates and IDs and stuff like that. And um, this was, I think, like Baltimore County. Mm-hmm. 
And um, Baltimore County is extremely different from Baltimore City. Hmm. Um, I went to a school in Baltimore City, which was mostly black and brown. Um, the school looked uh, terrible, you know, like it looked like it was asbestos just, just crawling on the walls and mold <laughs> and um, dust everywhere and just, you know, just not proper conditions for a young child to learn and develop mm. but f- five maybe 10 15 minutes away in baltimore county was um you know a, a mostly white and european school mm-hmm. well there were like you know indians from you know, india there and asians but m- mostly rich people who sent their kids there and this this was like an elementary school, but it looked like one of those high schools that you see in the movies. Mm-hmm. Where like Everything was immaculate? Everything was, was perfect. Like they had stairs that reached to the heavens and they had windows that were like super tall and they had like a, a lobby. Did they have any detectors? No, nah, no no metal no metal detectors or anything. Like everything was it looked like one of those movie, one of those schools in, in in the movies, you know, and their books were fresh, like, and it just baffled me. I'm like, I'm 15 minutes away, like, I could ba- basically walk to this other school in Baltimore City, and the difference, the differences were, were crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you've seen this, but I used to be a very avid watcher of um, the Oprah Winfrey show. And she did a segment once of the discrepancies of the different schooling systems Mm -hmm. and would kind of like share what the different schools would have. So um, a public school in a predominantly white area probably looked the same if not better than a private school you know that has a lot of funding compared to the quote-unquote urban city underserved youth um schools that would have no running water or like no ac or something's always breaking down and the fact that they were just completely shocked the students from the affluent school was completely shocked that even though it's a public run school the resources are so much different from their experiences they lack different um opportunities such as like a basketball court or anything nice to make your experience as a student perfect even having a swimming pool like there's certain things that aren't provided and they're not even you know in a different state or a different city they're right next to each other yeah just in different neighborhoods this is even grocery stores like the grocery store that's up the street from mm-hmm. us is a lot different from a grocery store, the grocery store on 8th Street or U Street. You know, we mm-hmm. got a shoppers over here that the vegetables don't look fresh. A lot of the meat looks rotten like they just put a new label on Do you know what I think they it. do? And then in the next county or the next ward is like a Harris Teeter that... You know what I mean? Has everything fresh. You know what I think they actually do? What? But they're not saying? 
is whatever produce is not being consumed or sold in Georgetown is then brought to the lesser neighborhoods. That's terrible. Once it goes bad. That's, <laughs> so, that's extremely And maybe terrible. like re, re, refurbish a little bit the meats and stuff to make it look like they're fresh when in actuality, if you put it in your freezer, the next day it's rotten. But it's weird because if you go downtown, there's like a grocery store on every other corner Oh yeah, but like this when, Starbucks. <laughs> if we didn't have a car, we would be short because it's like maybe ten or eleven blocks away. Yeah, a lot. We see a lot of our neighborhoods walking with groceries from there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So definitely thankful that we have the means to to, to travel, <laughs> not by foot, yeah. back and forth. So, what do you think the solution is? What do you think? Um, we can do or the government should do or the banks or whoever how how do how do we solve this um issue america's on some bullshit and i think until they're able to acknowledge that they're purposely purposely continuing white supremacy nothing will be solved Mm -hmm. that's just the root of the problem once we're able to dissect and discuss and really have hard conversations about discrimination and once people that are in power are willing to give away some of the power that they hold we could see some change how about yourself what do you think when you ignore the problem you are the problem shame yeah that's true telling but that's all i got for the day me too here is your quote of the day okay a flower that grows in the ghetto knows more about survival than the one from the fresh meadows. Tyler Quali. God damn. That was a good one. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment, um, share with your mother, your father, your cousin, your auntie, your uncle, your friends, no matter. Just share. Buy Black Velvet. Buy Black Velvet. And um, we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Peace.